Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a podcast for our common good. I'm Marie Dahlstrom, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Rosemary Celia Alston. In the past few years, and in particular um, during this last past year, there's been a lot of talk and a lot written about the fact that Americans' participation in civic life or civic engagement has declined dramatically. According to Harvard professor Robert Putnam, over the past 25 years, Americans' participation in public meetings is down by 35%, and participation in clubs and civic organizations has been cut by more than half. Civic engagement can increase the power of community members to influence government actions. And we've seen from our 2020 election and 2018, the power of community members who are at the table, who are running for office, who are making their voices heard. And today we have the honor of talking to a civic leader who has run for public office and serves on a number of citizen committees in Portland, Oregon. We are interviewing and pleased to welcome Candace Avalos. Candace Avalos is she, her, is a first generation American Black Dina, millennial, Portland State University educator and civic leader. A former candidate for Portland City Council, she shows up for the community in a variety of ways, including as chair of the Citizen Review Committee, co-founder of the Black Millennial Movement, a board member for Portland, Neighbors Welcome, and a newly appointed Charter Review Commissioner for the City of Portland. Welcome, Candace. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Candace, tell us about a defining moment in your life. Yes, well, I, as I was thinking about this question, I think the one moment that rises to the top is a moment in college that really changed the course of my life and my career. I was going to James Madison University. I'm originally from Virginia. And I was studying psychology. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with that. I think I watched a little bit too much Law and Order and wanted to be you know, a, a psychologist uh, working in criminal justice. Um, And as I was exploring my psych, you know, career options my junior year in college, I went to a alternative spring break trip out in San Diego, California. And alternative spring break is an opportunity for people to uh, forego the spring break, go to the beach and hang out uh, kind of thing, and instead use that time to uh, give back to the community in some way. And this trip, it was a service trip with an organization called Casa Familia. It's an organization in San Diego that um, works with immigrant families. They work with youth. They do food banks. And um, throughout that week, you know, I really was super empowered by not only the work they were doing with um, immigrant community, but more particularly with young people, because I felt like there was so much opportunity to engage uh, a young a group of people and and teach them how to be leaders and um, give them the tools to be successful in their life. So I went back to 
my school. And that summer I had a breakthrough and decided, you know what, like psychology really isn't for me and education is much more where my passion lies because I felt like I had so many opportunities with amazing educators that helped me find my passion, put it into, um, put it to good use. Uh, and I felt like I could, I don't know, bring something to that field. So it, I completely changed my major. I was a psych major, Spanish minor. I changed to a Spanish major and decided to go into the higher ed, or sorry, into the K through 12 route. And I did uh, teach at my old high school for a year, teaching English as a second language. Then I went into the higher education route. But ultimately, what that trip taught me was that um, there's so much power in youth and how we as a society harness that power is going to affect our greater good as a community and as a, as a country. So that's where I felt I wanted to put my energy. So yeah, that was the most defining moment of my life. Well, and to the benefit of Portland and for uh, all of the communities that you impact, because um, you probably would have been doing something else then if it hadn't been for that defining moment. Um, Candace, you're a civic leader in Portland, Oregon. Um, and a lot of people, when you uh, mention the word civic engagement or civic leader, there, there, there might be some confusion as to what all does that entail. Uh, tell us about your experience as a candidate for Portland City Council and what were opportunities and challenges for you as a woman of color? Absolutely. So I work at Portland State University and what I do there is I advise the student government and the fraternities and sororities. And I found that job because I kind of found my voice in student government as a young woman. And so as I have been in this career and working with young people, I realized that so much of what we were talking about and teaching about advocacy for communities on campus, all those things translate directly to the real world, right? They translate into politics, into our community organizations. And um, it was actually uh, one of the counselors was retiring on city council. And it was such a important opportunity. I felt I couldn't miss to run for an open seat, even though I didn't feel ready. Uh, but I thought that no matter what, I was going to be able to not only learn something for myself, but also I could learn something to bring back to my students as they were preparing to do essentially what I was doing, finding my voice and using it in the community. So it was um, definitely a learning experience. There were many uh, challenges, especially because I was running my campaign at the beginning of 2020. And as we all know, a global pandemic mm. All our lives, so yes. my strategy was out the window. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I had to figure out how to navigate a pandemic on top of being a first-time candidate running for a very high office, and um, you know, as a political newcomer. So that was definitely a big challenge um, in my experience. So, what was the takeaway for you then, as a result of that experience? I think the best thing about it was because I was a newcomer, nobody had any expectations of me. And so I could kind of run the campaign that I felt I wanted to run. And I, I think that at the end of the day, um, I feel really proud of running on a mes message of transformative change, 
um, on using new techniques to engage the community. Of course, everything went virtual uh, at the beginning of 2020. And so I used that time to um, more faster than all the other candidates. I set up a lot of online, you know, community conversations and ways for people to connect um, that were not traditional. And so I felt like that really gave me an opportunity to demonstrate that we can do politics differently, that there's no one way to do it and that we can bring our own personality to it. Um, and I think that really showed throughout my campaign. Candace, why is it important to build the political power of women in the United States? You know, there's a, a quote that I learned from when I did that ASB trip that I told you was a defining moment. And um, the CEO and president of Casa Familiar, Andrea Scoreta, she said to us that people are always telling you that you are the future, but you are actually the present. And by the time you've waited for the future, you've already become the past. And that is something that has really stuck with me and I think is uh, in particular what's important about building political power of women because at the end of the day, we have the most to gain and to lose from not being at the table. So women who, you know, as a, I guess in our society, women are coming up. We are earning degrees at higher rates than men. We're becoming breadwinners of the family, but all of that hasn't really translated into political power yet. We're still really underrepresented in political spaces. And I'm not talking just about elected offices, but um, as you know, from the long list of um, activities that I'm involved in, there's many ways to make a difference in the community that don't involve being an elected leader. And so having us understand that, and like you know, you stated at the beginning, our, our civic engagement as a country has really declined. Um, so building that back up, but this time building it up in a way that women feel they're at the table and they're stakeholders in what's our future, I think is going to ultimately rise up everybody, right? When we rise up women, we rise up families. Um, and we rise up our working families in our communities. So I think that's why we need to be more intentional about build, building that political power. And there's many ways that you can go about that. And you'll share with us some here towards the end, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. What can families do to build civic engagement of our daughters and our granddaughters? Well, I think that talking about politics at a young age is really important. And it's something that for my family, it was a really critical to our identity to really be involved in, in politics. And the reason is because, you know, my grandparents and my mom crossed the border in the 1970s. They came from Guatemala and they, you know, they came looking for the American dream like many immigrant families do when they come to this country. And they spent a lot of time working towards their citizenship. As you may or may not know, it takes a long time to become a citizen in America. Um, and so they, through that process, and my mom, she was five years old at the time. So she kind of grew up in the American school system um, and was able to kind of guide her parents uh, through this process. But, you know, once they became citizens, my mom became a citizen at 18 um, and she had me when I was 20. And so that was still really fresh for her as you know, I was coming into her life and she engaged me from a young age in, in going to the polls. We would go, um, uh, Oregon here is a vote by mail state, but in Virginia, you had to actually go to the polls. And 
Um, we would stand outside and hand out, you know, literature for the Democratic ticket. Of course, we're Democrats. We believe in the Democratic platform um, and it supports, you know, our communities. And um, she really just socialized me to understand that, like, this was a really important responsibility for me, that our family worked really hard to earn our right to at me being an American citizen, you know, born here, first generation, that I could not waste that. And so I think, you know, that, that kind of messaging that was, I guess, my family was sharing with me from a young age, that's what gave me the confidence to eventually go out and run for student government. And it gave me the confidence to pursue and, and talk about, you know, politics in a way that um, reflected, you know, my experiences as a Black Latina woman. And I think that that um, building that muscle, that civic engagement muscle for young women um, is it has such a long term effect that you don't you don't even realize. I'm realizing it now as 30 as I'm 32 years old and thinking back on what are the roots of why I care so much about this. And I think back to those conversations I had with my family and how how much it mattered to them that they had the right to vote and to participate in American society and that I didn't want to waste that. So. I just think that it's important as, you know, parents and grandparents that we just talk about it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't have to have, there's no textbook that you need to follow. You know, it's not, it's really as simple as just introducing the idea and giving, you know, kids the ability to explore what that means to them as they move through the world. And so what are some examples of ways that women can engage in a different kind of way in the United States that you would like to share in the political power? Yeah, I mean, I think that everything is really local. And I, you know, even recently, um, a couple of years ago, my mom, she, like I said, she definitely talked about these things at an early age, but she didn't really, uh, it wasn't until she was a lot older that she knew how to put it into action. You know, I, because she taught me earlier, I was able to put it into action a lot sooner. Um, but she got involved in the um, neighborhood association, uh, the homeowners association, I guess, uh, just translating the newsletter into Spanish for our community. And those little things like, you know, being a part of your neighborhood, being a part of the school. When I taught at my old high school, we had a, um, we had a parents as teacher program. What is it? Parents as teachers. I think that's what it was called. A uh, program that was precisely to help teach parents how they could be involved in the school and help be part of decisions that were happening in their children's lives. Um, especially in this, this program was geared towards immigrant families. Um, so I think that local, local, local is the key and um, learning, you know, what are the things in your community that um, you can be a part of? Um, I, I really feel is an important step because then it doesn't, then you can build up, right? You can build up from there and say, okay, now I'm going to go to the city and I'm going to join this board because they're talking about, you know, zoning and housing. And I want to make sure that this voice is at that table or, you know, maybe I am going to run for office. Maybe I'm going to run for the school board, uh, lo a local, you know, city council. Um, so I think that, again, finding ways in just your, your circles to be involved in little decisions that builds up your confidence in a way that translates to, to larger civic engagement, in my opinion. Well, you've done a lot, Candace, in terms of those building steps that that foundation for yourself in terms of 
you know, what next? And I love that quote um, that you gave from your experience in San Diego. Um, Marie, I think we should really put that on there as well um, and quote the individual that um, provided a transformative experience for Candace when she went to San Diego. We are very lucky to have you in that arena. Yes, and you know what? I recently was thinking I might. I'm. I saw on the website that she's still around, and I was thinking I was going to reach out to her actually and tell her that she didn't. She doesn't know the impact that she had on my life by telling me that. So I, I felt recently I, I should close that loop and just kind of you know thank her for how she inspired me at a young age. Well, and I guarantee that that would be important to her because as educators, as, um, you know, community leaders, we never know who we touch, do we? And Mm -hmm. it's so um, profound to be able to find out, you know, years later, the impact that you had on someone's life. Real quickly, Candice, before we let you go, can you tell us real quickly about what you're doing in your newly appointed Charter Review uh, uh, Commission. Yeah, so here in the city of Portland, we are actually unique. Um, Some people think not in a good way in that we are the last large city over 100,000 people that still has a commissioner form of government. So essentially the people that get elected to city council, they oversee certain bureaus. And it kind of has created this like fight them situation. And there's all all this fighting over who gets what bureau and what. And there's also no district representation. We have all at large seats. So there are a couple major flaws that, um, you know, Portland is really behind from other large cities on how we structure our government to better, you know, benefit the community. So every 10 years, the um, Charter Review Commission is put together of 20 members and we are charged with changing the charter. Um, We have tried in Portland to change it uh, in some of these ways over the past, but it hasn't passed uh, because it has to go to the vote for to the people. So we're really determined this time around, people are much more aware of the structural problems of our government. And I'm really hoping we can get these changes across the finish line and start to um, dismantle this system that, you know, really is steeped in Jim Crow era, um, in the Jim Crow era, as far as, you know, not allowing different voices to be heard in city government. So I'm super excited about that. It's a once in 10 year, you know, opportunity that I'm glad I get to be a part of. Well, we have no doubt that with you on there, it something will change. So thank you for that. Rosemary, any final thoughts? I do. I want to thank your abuelita y tu mamá. Oh, yes. For having such wisdom in being able to talk at your tables about things that many families are still uncomfortable in talking about and providing you your own voice, Candace. Absolutely. Those are amazing women and a a really good um, storytelling kind of way that, you know, for, for many, those conversations were not part of our upbringing. So power to those women in your life. And we really want to thank you um, for your time, for your expertise. We know you're an up and coming star and we want to rock and roll with you as well 
Let us know how we can help you. And I would reach out to that mentor that you had. There are, there are so many individuals that, like Marie said, don't know, touched you in some way, somehow. Please come back and join us at any point in time, Candace. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe to our podcast on Buzzsprout, Apple, and Spotify, and we so appreciate your reviews. We look forward to having you next time with us here on Abuelitas en Acción. Gracias. <laughs>